0: Hey, what's going on, man?
1: Man, I'm doing great. This is a, a long time coming. Yes. Uh, because, um, yeah, you know, obviously, schedules and our schedules. Yes. And our, yes. Our guest schedule, who's a very busy man. This is a follow up episode, dude. Yes, and I can't wait because we've tried to get all the questions that came in. That's right. Uh, from uh, the last time our special guest was on. So That's I'm right. Pumped up.
0: Yeah, I'm excited because uh, I actually wasn't here when we had this guest on. That's right. So I'm I'm excited to get the summary of what was talked about mm-hmm. and then um, to to rock and roll with these questions. Um, but first, want to uh, give a word from our uh, sponsors. Um, and I, I say sponsors because, um, we're going to highlight the, these go to 11 donation page. And so you, the people are our sponsors. Yes. Um, so, you know, we just want to let everyone know, um, you know, we said that September was going to be a uh, bigger month for promotion. We really haven't. Spend a whole lot of time uh, over the air promoting it. Um, you know, spend a little bit more time putting things up on Facebook and Twitter. Um, but, you know, just to let you guys know that if you go to our website page where we uh, host the podcasts, uh, it, at the top of that, that actually is a legit website page. And at the top, there are tabs that you can click on, and one of them says donations. And you can click on it. It's a PayPal account, so everything's nice and secure for you. Yep, you don't have to worry about us getting any of your information or anything like that, um, you know. But we are trying to raise some funds. We are trying to get mm-hmm. this legit and established um, so that uh, we can rock and roll with this. Um, yeah. So absolutely, man.
1: Um, and and that's for you know we we say a hundred times, and I hope I think I think everybody believes us. Yeah, uh, nobody's in this for a cash flow. Yeah, uh, but we uh, by the grace of God, dude, have been able to do this well over a year and a half now. Yep. And provide at least one a week, yep sometimes more, and of course that is a time commitment. There are technology issues mm-hmm. um, that uh, need to be continually addressed and improved yep uh, so if you 're the person out there and you, you can give a buck, yeah, you can give five bucks, you can give ten bucks. Uh, I, we want to thank you. it is appreciated. Um, it goes back into this podcast. And uh, yeah,
0: I love it. You, the peeps, our sponsor. That's right. Um, so now to rock and roll with our special guest, uh, Mr. Bruce Ware. Bruce, how are you today?
2: I'm doing great. Thank you, David. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you for joining us once again. Um, Bruce, I, I was not on the last time that you were on. And so I was just wondering, um, for those who might not have been uh, joined in on the last one we are of course going to post uh the last podcast in the show notes but could you give a brief summary of what you talked about with greg and steve the last time you were on just as a little refresher to our audience
2: yeah well it's been a while so i'll have to uh, tr- <laughs> try to reach back there i mean yep. greg might be able to do a better job i don't no, know well you know uh, I'm,
1: I'm, I'm happy to set you up Uh, as they say in volleyball terms, to give the set and give Dr. Ware the spike.
2: There you go. Isn't
1: that the way
0: it works? That's right.
1: Um, We, for some time, had had a few people ask us, hey, you guys seem like you're dodging the L in the uh, tulip acrostic, a common acrostic device to capture some, I don't think all, but some of the um, distinctives of a reformed perspective, predominantly on salvation, a, a soteriology, which, of course, total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, the L word, as Mm -hmm. it's called, irresistible grace, perseverance of the saints. What I find is no Reformed theologian that I've ever read likes any of those terms, so they're constantly being tweaked and reinvented. But for the sake of clarity and brevity, we've had some people say, hey, you guys, are you ever going to tackle that subject in any way? And I was aware, and I shared this with with, uh, you, Dr. Ware, a couple of months ago when you were on, that I saw – uh, or heard of some years ago you and Dr. John Piper in sort of a shared um, question and answer format discussing this issue and I thought wow Dr. Ware is giving a very compelling argument for four point Calvinism that there is a way to have a robust thoroughly reformed understanding of the work of God and salvation uh, and still have Jesus, die um, for every person. And uh, Dr. Ware, of course, when we were emailing, uh, you've helped me so much in clarifying your view as the multiple intentions atonement view. And um, that's very helpful for a number of reasons, but I'm trying to throw enough fodder out on the table for you to say, yeah, I'll take this piece and run with it. And now over to you. Right,
2: right. Yes, well, it, it's very—it's really a, a very simple idea that uh, um, when you ask the question, "What was God's intention in the atoning death of Christ?" it really does sort of uh, slant the answer in the direction of of giving one answer, right? <laughs> and I think that's what happened with the uh, the classic Calvinist Arminian debate that took place in the seventeenth century around the time of Dort. Um, was the, uh, the Calvinists gave their answer. He, he died because the Father intended the Son to purchase the elect. And the Arminians gave their answer. He died because the Father intended, uh, the Son to purchase everyone so that anyone who believes can be saved. And that's kind of where we've been in terms of answers to the question. But it seems to me that the, uh, the question was misguided insofar as it, it assumed there's only one intention. Uh, and you have to pick between those two. Well, goodness, if I had to pick between those two, I'm going to pick the first one, right. you know, because I'm, I'm a Calvinist. I, I'm Reformed, and I hold to the Doctrine of Election, and I'm very very committed to that. Uh, but I, I don't think you have to, because all you have to do is, is, uh, is ponder the question, might it be the case that God uh, the Father intended more than one thing to be accomplished through the death of His Son? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've come up with a uh, what I call a multiple intentions view of the extent of the atonement that, of course, has very uh, centrally the death of Christ for the elect. So, you know, all those passages, those glorious passages that uh, he, he lays down his life for his sheep and uh, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her and so on. I mean, all those are just beautiful and glorious and and, uh, and are, uh, you know, w- weighty. But it, But there are other passages. That's just the thing. Uh, that I've never been convinced that fit into the um, limited atonement or particular redemption, however you wish to describe it, uh, view. I mean a passage like second Peter two one uh, where Peter is describing people clearly who are not saved, mm-hmm. and uh, s- soon to be under judgment, he says they deny the master who bought them, mm-hmm. bringing swift destruction upon themselves. And it seems to me that just uh, the the most natural reading of that is that's the redeeming work of Christ. It's the same word that is used elsewhere of, of you know you've been bought with a price and and so on the re- the the redemption of Christ. Uh, and so indeed they were bought by him, and for for the very reason that they were they owe to him even more than through. Through uh being created by him now now redeemed by him, they owe him their allegiance, but instead, what are they doing
3: mm-hmm.
2: they're they're uh, they're false teacher teachers and they're they're rejecting his truth and uh and so that that will bring upon them the judgment of christ so i I, I see that really the the father 's intention from the beginning or tensions from the beginning uh were multiple and and it included of course the salvation of the elect. But it also included, I believe, um, the, the judgment of the non-elect from the Son who, uh, as it were, uh, ha- is put into position as the Messiah of being the just uh, adjudicator of the non-elect by virtue of his purchasing them in his death on the cross. Mm-hmm. So he buys them, in a sense, to have the, the, uh, the rightful position of judging them. And uh, so that way, you, you realize there's a, a purpose of the Father uh, in the death of Christ that relates to the non-elect that that uh, is um, that is Christocentric. Yes, it, it doesn't. It's, it's not like it stands outside of what Christ has done. It, but it really does rely on what Christ has done. And uh, he he's so he stands in the end then the Son as the the supreme Savior of the elect and Judge of the non-elect, all of whom are His. Yes, uh, because he purchased them all. So that that's kind of the, the view in a nutshell. And there's other intentions as well, but those are, I think, the the main ones um, that I see in the multiple intentions view.
0: Yes. Thank you so much for that, uh, Dr. Yeah. Ware. And again, we're going to go ahead and post the uh, previous podcast that we did with you uh, in the show notes so people can um, go ahead and take a look at that as, um, you know, reference back to that uh, as you're listening to this one. So um, we don't want to take, uh, you know, uh, too much longer uh, trying to summarize because we do uh, – this is primarily Mm -hmm. a follow-up with uh, uh, listener questions. And so I want to throw this first one out to you. Um, This first one is your thoughts on Calvin's
2: position.
0: Both camps often claim him. Mm -hmm. Good, yeah.
2: Yeah that that is a, a very uh good observation it is true too that both camps claim him um i i have been very uh uh grateful for a book uh one of the paternoster series that came out in 2006 uh the author is g michael thomas uh the title of the book is the extent of the atonement and what he does is do a history uh from from uh, the time of calvin Oh, for the next 150 years or so and uh, uh, on, on this very subject and I mean it's a fascinating book I learned so much in it hmm. but one of the things that is clear is that uh, Calvin definitely said uh, a number of things that uh, uh, just seem to be best interpreted as universal redemption mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and these come um oftentimes in his commentaries when he's dealing with these passages you know and He'll make comments uh, to, to the effect that uh, he died for the whole world. And by that, I don't mean just the, the elect in the world, but the whole world. I mean, when saying things like that, you realize he, he really is uh, arguing for a broader view. Um, Kevin Kennedy ha- uh, has uh, written on Calvin's view, I, th- I think, quite persuasively. So I, I tend to lead in that direction. I do know it's, a, it's an ongoing issue of scholarly debate, but I do think there is a substantial argument – with with uh, significant data from Calvin, to argue the view that he did not himself hold to what we what we now call limited atonement. Um, of course, others are going to disagree, but that's uh, that's an arguable position, I would say.
1: Excellent. Uh, sort of a follow up question. And again, all these questions we're asking. Uh, you, Dr. Ware, and to let our audience know, come from our audience, Yes, which was I think of all the podcasts we've ever done, this one...
0: Got the most follow-up. It, it,
1: it got the most... I mean, there were questions coming in that day. And uh, just to let you know, Dr. Ware, there were a number of people who told me, man, I, I think he persuaded me. And there were others, and I'm not trying to make this caustic or anything. said, no, 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 you've got... You, you'd never asked him this or that. And uh, uh, we, we wish to be fair to those people. They, yeah. they might think they've got um, potentially, you know, the... Uh, the 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 corner painted for you to go into uh and never yeah. never find a way out but obviously the thing that grabbed us was how much you clearly have thought about this view and have read so widely on it so a similar question what nathan just asked uh, even beyond calvin uh some people want to know are there other reformed thinkers in church history and i think you you may have just very uh well given us one uh or or today um uh, that are well-regarded and hold your view or a similar view?
2: Yeah. Well, again, if, uh, I mean, re- readers who are interested, if they look at the book I just mentioned by, uh, G. Michael Thomas, the extent of the atonement, uh, he, what he does is make, make it clear that at the synod of Dort, uh, in sixteen, eighteen, nineteen, 19, this was the only point of the five points of the remonstrance that, uh, that the Reformed were responding to, Uh, this was the only point on which there was significant disagreement. And there was. There was a a very, very strong minority view, even at Dort, that rejected limited atonement. And so it has been, through through all of uh, the history since Calvin, there has been a kind of a vibrant uh, – yeah – alternative view that has been presented. Um, not, m- maybe not with the same language I use of multiple intentions, but effectively the same thing. Yes. And, um, you know, in a recent, uh, uh, book that has come out, uh, Andy Nacelli, uh, is editor of a book on perspectives on the extent of the atonement yes. that, um, uh, just came out within the last year. And, um, there's a chapter in there that is very close to my view also by John Hammett okay. H A M M E T T he's at uh Southeastern Seminary and I think that would be a good good place for readers to go I mean it's a great book because it it uh, has um you know a variety of positions listed there so uh that would be helpful but I think John Hammett's view is is helpful and then my my own doctoral student uh who I had here several years ago, uh, Gary Schultz, and that's Schultz without a C. It's not S-C-H. It's just S-H-U-L-T-Z, um, wrote his dissertation on this, and it's been published. If you go onto Amazon and put in his name, it's something like the Multiple Intentions View of the Extent of the Atonement. Interesting. And uh, that would be, that'd be a good one to read too. He has quite a bit of history as well as uh, biblical interaction. Interesting. Uh, heavy on the ladder, yeah. And
1: I, I'm sure yeah, you are oft referenced in that, I would think, Dr. Ware, as uh, a, a key shaper of his thinking, I would think.
2: Yes. Uh-huh. That's,
1: that's wonderful. I was going to say, that better be dedicated to you or, or his wife. Um, <laughs> wife uh-huh. The wife is good, too. I always think <laughs> maybe the first book should go there, depending. Um, this question, I wanted to give just a little context for newer listeners, Dr. Ware, um, before asking it. One of the interesting questions we got, I think, in a Facebook post was, could you ask Dr. Ware, uh, what about infants who presumably c- can never exercise faith? So obviously the, the questioner is is admitting that is a uh, sort of assumption that an infant can't exercise uh-huh. faith. And right. uh, I think this was a woman actually. Uh, does your view advocate condemnation of infants by necessity and the quick – Word for the audience that might be wondering is I think one of the key components here is that uh, something that um, Dr. Ware argued quite compellingly a couple of months ago was uh, I think one of the uh, examples you gave Dr. Ware is the case of the elect person who's yet to be regenerate. So I think back to myself uh-huh. in 1985, I was 15. I was not a believer yet. I believe in light of all the truth the Bible tells us, I was elect. Um, I, God had chosen me before time to be one of his children that I would come into the fold, but, um, I wasn't saved, uh, in the sense that because election is linked with faith, um, and of course, um, salvation as we would think of it, regeneration, uh, takes place in this present life. So I think that's the background just for our audience wondering, what about infants? Uh, because they presumably can't exercise faith, and just your thoughts on that scenario.
2: Yeah, thank you. Um, it is a good question. It, it, it is a question, though, that applies to anyone who holds that uh, the the Bible teaches that people must believe in Christ to be saved. Yes. So it's not it's not unique to the multiple intentions view. It's just really a question that applies to any conservative biblical Christian. That's a good point. Uh, who holds the view that uh, that even though you're elect before the foundation of the world, you're not saved until you believe. Mm -hmm. So then then what about infants? Well, you know, it's interesting. We live in a time right now where um, there seems to be something of a consensus, at least among people that I know and respect very highly, consensus answer to this question. Uh, John MacArthur, John Piper, Wayne Grudem, Al Mohler, uh, Danny Akin, Ron Nash, uh, who's written a very good book on this by the way uh, your readers i 'm sorry your hearers should know about mm-hmm. it is uh, uh when a baby dies,
3: mm.
2: when a baby dies by Ron Nash mm. um, Ron Nash has passed away now, but boy, what a wonderful, godly man he was. Mm. Um, they all hold the view that infants who die in infancy or that would apply, i suppose even to uh, newborns up to a certain point, you mm-hmm. know this age of accountability idea. Uh, pertains to this answer um, infants who die in infancy uh, go to heaven and uh, the reason is is because although they inherit uh, Adam's sinful nature they do not act that out in in uh, culpable sinful action and uh, when you look at all of the uh, passages in the Bible that relate to divine judgment it's clear that we are that people are judged according to their works. Mm-hmm. Um, you know in revelation twenty that 's so very clear the books of works are open, and people are judged in Romans one you know though they knew God, they did not honor him as god there 's a willful rejection mm-hmm. of the revelation of God that is apparent to them well that just it doesn 't apply to to uh, an infant um and uh, or even to you know to young very 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 young children um or those who are you know uh, mentally handicapped in some way or whatever the case might be so um i think i think that's the reason that people hold that now my own position is um i don't think we can be dogmatic on the answer to that question mm-hmm. I could, because i don't think the bible gives us you know just really clear definitive uh, teaching on that question i do think that what we do have in the bible leans in that direction. Mm-hmm. But my main comfort to parents that have that question in their mind is trust the character of God. Mm, yes. I think that's the main place you go is I mean goodness he is infinitely wise. Mm. He is perfectly good. Yes. He is just in all of his ways. Mm-hmm. I mean how can we question the ways of that God? Mm. So just leave it with him and Excellent. be at peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that's a that's what parents who you know struggle with this question need to know Excellent. Yeah so good and um just to let our listeners know
0: uh probably a little over a year ago greg it was tackled that yeah we did we that did was talk our, about our uh, hot that topic
1: one. summer series of 2015
0: that's right and um we got several compliments on that one mm-hmm. saying you know it was nice that in a series of hot topics that's the one we specifically chose not to do a debate on a rather fire, just a discussion just a discussion yes. on it so um if you are interested uh, yeah. on what greg and i had to say about that you can go back and listen to that one so yes. Um, oh, so, very good. So, Doctor Ware, uh, our next question: um, Some argue that Christ's death purchased all the benefits of salvation, including uh, repentance, faith, belief, yes, etc. Yes. Uh, your thoughts on that?
2: Right. Well, there's two two ways you could go with this. What one is uh, to uh, um, uh, to to acknowledge the uh, the legitimacy of the question. And just say that, because God knows who the elect are, after all He chose them, um, that he uh, includes those benefits for the elect that are not part of what he purchases when he when he dies for the non elect mm-hmm. i mean that 's one possible answer i don 't go that way with it, but I think you could uh you could still hold that and and uh and still make a distinction between uh Different senses in which he dies for the elect and the non-elect, but he, it, but nonetheless he does purchase both of them. Uh, but the way I tend to go is, I don't see in the Bible that um, repentance repentance and faith are purchased in the atoning death of Christ, mm-hmm. um, but rather those are the um, the expressions of the Spirit's work mm-hmm. in the lives of the elect as he applies. The atoning death of Christ, of course, just to the elect. So, of course, I'm a very strong advocate of uh, the effectual call or irresistible grace that uh, the Spirit works in the lives of the elect and brings them to saving faith by regenerating them, by, by calling them in a way that is successful, You know that, that, uh, that is effective, the effectual call. Uh, and brings them to faith. And, and so I see that, that repentance and faith is the outworking of divine election and the atoning death of Christ for the elect, as the Spirit applies that then to them, uh, you know, opening their blind eyes, giving them a, a new heart, and, and so they believe. So it's all connected in the plan and purpose of God, but I don't see faith itself Uh, tied to the atoning death of Christ in a direct way, uh, but rather see it as mediated through the Spirit as as he does that work in the elect.
1: Yes, yes, thank you, Dr. Ware. And at the risk of um, disagreeing with John Piper, which is always a little dangerous uh, (laughs) when so many of our listeners, of course, are quite blessed by his teaching, I I do uh, recall when I first heard uh, that little debate that you two had... Was that not something he was arguing uh, that he felt that the again uh, regeneration faith repentance were sort of it's a little crass part of the the package that Christ yeah, purchased right. on the cross?
2: You know, Greg, it's been a, a while <laughs> since uh, that debate took place, and I, I don't remember every detail, but I think I think that is true. Yes, that uh, that John did raise that point. And of course, you can see why because people argue well if if faith is purchased in it and he died for the for everyone, well, then faith would be a part of that. They would have to receive that right but i i that 's why i just don 't think that is um, indicated in scripture, and what is indicated clearly is the spirit 's work to bring people to saving faith yes as as uh, as their hearts are regenerated, as their eyes are opened to see the beauty of Christ, and they come. You know, kind of the Second Corinthians four verse six um, idea. You know, God shines the light of the glory of Christ in, in, into them, and they they see and believe and come. So there's a there's a unity in the work of this of the Trinity in this. Obviously, the Father electing the Son, purchasing, and, and the Spirit then um, activating that work of the Son in the in the lives of the elect as He regenerates them. Um, but I yeah, but I don't see it. tied Directly to the atonement.
1: Yes. Uh, thank you. Uh, great, great answer. Uh, very clear. And you said something that, Nathan, I'm going to skip to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we might come back to it for time's sake. Um, but you said something I think is a great lead into this uh, question number seven on my list. Uh-huh. Uh, one listener asked, uh, How is your view not advocating confusion within the Trinity? Uh, the Father chooses some for salvation. The Spirit convicts slash regenerates that same group and is not the death of Jesus then, in your view, they're asking, it's interesting, out of sync. Your thoughts on that?
2: Right, right. Well, I can see what why people have that question um, because it's based really on this kind of a model. Uh, the Father elects some, uh, and the Spirit, uh, just to jump ahead, the Spirit works irresistibly in the hearts of some mm-hmm. – to bring them to faith, but Christ dies for all. Mm-hmm. Does isn't that uh isn't there an asymmetry there, a, a lack of parallel that seems to conflict, you know, with, with the the purposes of the Father and the work of the Spirit. Well, here's my answer to that is that it's dual all the way through. There's a two-track mm. purpose or two intentions all the way through. Uh so the Father does elect some to be saved, but he also by passing over others in a sense, chooses them now you know it's not in the same sense that he chooses the elect because he chooses them from their as he as he views them in Adam deserving condemnation
3: mm-hmm.
2: <coughs> but he nonetheless chooses not to save the others uh, and in so doing uh, chooses them to be the the subjects of the son's judgment.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: so he has in mind from the very beginning the exaltation of his son. As both Savior of the elect and Psalm 2, Judge Mm. of the Mm non-elect. I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the ends of the earth as your possession. For what purpose? You will rule them with a rod of iron. You will shatter them like earthenware. And Psalm 2 is a helpful text that reminds us that's a Christologically uh, focused um, purpose Mm -hmm. of, of the Father has with the Son, is that he appoints him Judge. So the Father intends that from the beginning, both the Son as Savior and as Judge. So then the Son purchases the elect to save, purchases the non-elect to judge, and then the Spirit uh, works in a dual way as well. Yes, he does regenerate the hearts of the elect. Uh, he does call them irresistibly and so on. Uh, but he also convicts the world of sin and righteousness and judgment, and there is this broader sense in which uh, they... they Become aware that they are accountable before God. Of course, they suppress that mm-hmm. Romans one, uh, but nonetheless, that that is some a work of the Spirit that is non salvific mm-hmm. in the hearts of uh, of people in the world. So I, I think there's this uh, two track um, way that the, the the there's a union of the Trinitarian persons then in seeing both of those fulfilled.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's so good, Dr. Ware. This is Nathan. Um, I, I like. Yeah. I love the way you put that because oftentimes, even um, as Reformed thinkers, I think a lot of times we forget and overlook the goodness of God's justice, and we forget just how yeah. pivotal that is alongside of his redeeming work and the grace that he dispenses, also the justice that he dispenses into the world yes, as well. Yes.
2: Excellent. Yeah. You know, if I could just make one more comment on that. Yeah. Um, Uh, a text that comes to my mind that that is is helpful for this is revelation five where you you remember how that begins uh john is weeping because um uh there's no one worthy to take this book and break its seals and uh and then the angel tells john quit quit weeping stop weeping look there is one worthy to do so now of course we know breaking the seals is the beginning of the outpouring of divine judgment Mm -hmm. and uh and 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 who is the one worthy to do that? The yes. Lamb slain, yes, isn't that amazing? That's excellent. So that Lamb slain, that purchased with His blood, people from every tribe and tongue and people and nation, is the Lamb worthy to execute judgment on the world. Yeah. And and I think uh, I think that's part of what's being conveyed in that very message is that He is both Savior and Judge, precisely because He's the one who died and rose. Mm. So good.
0: Um so this is more on the practical church level here how should confessionally reformed churches work through this when there are differences of conviction on the leadership level Oh that's a good one
2: Yeah right Well I mean this this just depends you know a lot on individual leaders mm-hmm. and individual churches to what extent they would view the L of TULIP, to be a non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it is, if it's part of their doctrinal statement for their church, well, that settles it. I mean, sure. I mean, you know, <laughs> you, yeah. it, it, you just uh, realize as you, if you become a part of that church, uh, one of the requirements is that you believe that along with everything else that's part of their statement. Uh, but if that's not part of the statement, then I would urge a charity toward one another – That this be an area uh, where good Christian people, good Reformed people, can agree to disagree agreeably.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, That's the way it works in my church. Uh, uh, I don't know if you know the name Sean Wright. Uh, He wrote his dissertation on Theodore Beza, who was Calvin's successor Mm -hmm. uh, to the School of Theology in Geneva. Uh, Sean Wright is a very strong uh, five-point Calvinist. And uh, I, of course, uh, refer to myself as a four-point, mm-hmm. uh, yet Sean and I are dear friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, we love one another. We we uh, we do talk about this issue from time to time, including in public, but we do so with respect for each other, and, uh, and it just is not a problem. Um, I, I, I don't think it, it needs to be a problem yes. uh, for reform people, but I know other people would differ with that. They would view it as a... As a top tier issue that we can't uh, uh, can't compromise on, so mm, yeah. uh, they have that view. I have this view that uh, it's not it's not a top tier issue. Yes. It's one on which we could uh, agree to disagree and do so in a way that's charitable.
0: Yes. Yeah. That's so good. Um, So I I believe that you have answered this next question, um, but I'm going to ask it specifically because sometimes as listeners are listening through, if they don't hear their specific question, (laughs) they may ask, oh, you didn't didn't ask that. So um, I'm going to just ask this uh, straight from them. What specifically is the for regarding Christ's death in relation to the non-elect? For example, Christ died for the elect to bring them to the Father. So, what is the specific sense of the four regarding the non-elect?
2: Yeah, good question. I would say the purpose, the four there is that it uh, um, it secures them as purchased by Christ. Mm-hmm. He paid for their sin. Now of course, that payment is not activated. For them, apart from faith,
3: mm-hmm. uh,
2: and and so they, they they go to hell, knowing forever that a payment was made for them that they rejected. Mm. I think that will be part of the horror of hell will be that that ever present realization mm. that they did not accept the gift that was there for them. Mm. So so he did he did purchase them. He did mm-hmm. pay for their sin, uh, and and uh, and by that they are his. Mm-hmm then to, as it were, dispense with as he chooses. Of course, the Son chooses – think of John 6 – that for all the Father gives to the Son, he will raise them up on the last day.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But the Son chooses, in regard to the non-elect, to bring the judgment of the Father against them. Mm. And, and, and I see his place as the messianic judge over all, which I take it as what psalm 2 is about and uh, other places where we see the son ascended to the right hand of the father and granted authority mm-hmm. like at the end of ephesians 1 uh... that that place of judgment is also a messianic office or, or function maybe would be a better word uh... that that is tied to the fact that they are his and uh, and hence he can dispense with them as he chooses mm-hmm. so i think the the uh... The for there is, is uh, both a for their sins, as it would be for the elect, but for their judgment, which, of course, applies only to them and not to the elect.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, thank you, Dr. Ware. And I can't believe yeah. it. Uh, for, we've gotten through the bulk of our questions, two, two or three, but I I think you're right, Nathan. We've tried to choose the ones that are the most distinct because there is some overlap. Uh, this is an easy question. I would say at the end, I think you may have answered it in light Mm -hmm. of, um, Gary Schultz uh, earlier, as you uh, mentioned, as one of your Uh doctoral students, uh, are you yourself, is this something you would ever consider because it's so beneficial doctor, where so many people have lit up on this topic. And benefited from your work, even those that that don't agree. Uh, but getting them to yes. think—have you ever considered putting this in a full book-length treatment form?
2: Well, I have. I have many times. Um, it's you know it. Just uh, the two things. Number one, uh, writing is hard for me, uh-huh. uh, and number two, um, I have a lot of demands. Sure. And you yeah. put those two together, and that's uh, <laughs> yeah, not a great <laughs> recipe. Know, I'm, I, honestly, I'm just. I'm just astonished at anything I have written that it that it got finished. Yes. Uh, because you know this is all of grace. I, it's just grace upon grace upon grace. And uh but this is a a book project that's on my list. I don't know if it'll ever happen, sure. but I hope so. Wow. Uh at, at some point. Yeah. Uh,
1: we we hope so too Dr. Weber. Yes. That's, that's not intended to apply more pressure. Uh just a, a <laughs> no, no, no. you know that's, um that's affirmation fine. Uh, from us to you on uh, that would be valuable, and understanding if it doesn't. We're big on grace here.
0: That's right, Nathan. Uh, so, great, great. so,
1: so, offline, we'll pressure when nobody's listening. That's right. right. <laughs> no, I think we're all about good. pretenses here. Yeah. <laughs> no.
0: um, Doctor, where thank you so oh, much for terrific. coming on and joining us. Um, we we do want to be mindful of your time. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that there were a few questions that we weren't able to get to. We also know that this will probably spark <laughs> more questions. Sure, um, but. Thank Thank you once again for joining us and uh, just bringing this all out and discussing this with us again.
2: Yes, you're so welcome. It really was a pleasure, and uh, hope hope the podcast is useful and and uh, blessings on you and your ministries.
1: Oh, thank you, Doctor Ware. Same to you.
2: All, all right.
0: right, we're going to go ahead and sign Good. off now. We uh, just rocked okay, the Greg Casma. and
1: Nathan. Thanks so much. Thank all you. All right.
0: Bye bye. Bye bye. These come to eleven.